Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1839. Today, we're going to continue looking at adaptations of the current slate of Star Wars movies, and we're actually going to spend an extra day or so on The Last Jedi because we have a lot to talk about in that regard. Let's go. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode where we are going to start talking about an adaptation of The Last Jedi. And we're going to do this over two days because there's some deeper stuff with Luke Skywalker that I want to leave to its own episode to explore. But as far as the majority of the adaptation of The Last Jedi that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about it in terms of layering stuff over what happened in the existing story. There, you know, There's a lot of that, and there are also some scenes that did not make it in the movie but are notable in their way because you know they took place in between scenes that we saw in the movie, aren't necessarily part of the deleted scenes, aren't necessarily part of the novel adaptation, but are kind of remarkable in their own way. And I will also mention that the adaptation was written by Gary Whitta, and he, in case you're not familiar with the name, is the gentleman who wrote the first draft of the Rogue One screenplay. And he's also written scripts for Star Wars Rebels, so yeah, he's been deeply involved in the franchise. And yeah, this is definitely a different read compared to the Force Awakens adaptation in that there's a lot more liberty taken with the storytelling, per se. And actually, there are a lot of things that I would say, you know, I know the phrase fan service is generally treated as a bad thing, right? The notion that you're just putting something in a story for, you know, a gratuitous goosing for the super fans, if you will, like that sort of thing, that it's not just you know, doing something to tell the story, but you really just kind of want to add a little something, something, you know, for the fans. Well, it looks like that the way The Last Jedi is done in some places, that there are a lot of moments that fan service can be layered in, and Gary Wooda actually manages to do that. And yet I don't feel like it's gratuitous in a way. I feel like it's just adding another layer to the existing movie that almost makes it feel even more awesome in its way. Like, for example, um, the scene where Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo, is about to destroy the bridge of the Rattus and realizes that his mother, General Leia Organa, is on the bridge. There's a moment where, in the movie, it swaps between their perspectives and they both realize that they're there, right? She senses it's him, he senses it's her. But there, in the comics is a moment where you know, she gets a word bubble and it's Ben and he gets a word bubble saying mother and that is an immediate play 
on the scene at the end of The Empire Strikes Back when Luke is trying to escape from Cloud City with Leia and Lando. Vader reaches out and says, Luke, and he goes, father, and he goes, son, right? Same idea, same thing, and yet it didn't happen in the movie, but it would have seemed a little bit gratuitous in the movie, and yet it doesn't seem gratuitous in the comic to me. And sure, I suppose in the comics you could have drawn a, you know, surprised look on both of their faces to try to convey that wordlessly, but it works better with the word bubbles in the comics, honestly. Or things like, for example, the moment where Admiral Akbar is sucked out into space. Obviously, we didn't see that on screen, but there's an opportunity visually in the comics to have him deliver the last words he will say when he realizes he's about to die and he says, it's been an honor serving with you all. Those are his last words before the bridge of the Radis is destroyed and he is sucked out into space. And as opposed to tragedy, the comics also offer an opportunity for additional comedy too. Sticking with that scene after Leia gets herself back into the ship, Poe says it's the darndest thing he's ever seen that, you know, somebody would be able to do that. And Finn immediately says the force and Poe says that's not how the force works, which is, of course, a callback to the that's not how the force works business from The Force Awakens. And that's great. And there's another one at the very beginning where when all the giant ships show up over to car as they're evacuating, Leia comments always with the big ships. I sometimes have to wonder what they're compensating for and that's a very Leia line a very Carrie Fisher line that I'm almost surprised didn't end up in the movie but it's very nice to see in the comics it really gives you a feel for Carrie Fisher's voice being a part of the whole adaptation all right a couple of more things I'll share with you for this episode of the show at least something that jumped out at me more in the comic adaptation than it did in the movies at the end of the force awakens when snoke tells hux to go get kylo ren and bring him to me and says it's time to complete his training okay that is in both the movie and it's also in the comic adaptation so in the movie and in the comic adaptation the only other completion of the training thing is for him to kill Rey. Like, that's it. All he has to do is kill Rey, and then his training is complete. I mean, because of the fact that The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi take place one right after the other, bang, bang, like, there's no, no time has passed. Like, what could he possibly have done to complete Kylo Ren's training? Like, there's nothing. There's no time. And it kind of put me in mind of Empire and Jedi to a degree. I mean, Luke, you know, does all this training in Empire and then leaves. And yeah, it's a year later that he goes back to Dagobah. But as far as we know, like all he's done is build himself a new lightsaber. He hasn't done any training with any other Jedi or anything like that. He goes back to Yoda and Yoda says, you don't need any more training. All you got to do is face Vader. The difference here, of course, being that Kylo Ren has to kill Rey, whereas Luke just had to face Vader and presumably somehow defeat him without killing him or without going over to the dark side of the Force. But there's one particular thing with Luke that just kind of blew my mind, and I don't know why it had never occurred to me, but... I thought it was worth sharing with you, and so I will share that with you after the break. Stay tuned. 
This episode is brought to you by Constant Contact, the premier email marketing solution for small businesses and organizations. I've used their service since 2003, and over the past decade and a half, I've watched them evolve, make the product simpler, more powerful, easy to use, and do everything that they can to help train people to use the product more effectively and for it to work with other forms of marketing like social media, for example. So check out sw7x7.com slash email to learn more about Constant Contact and start a free trial. Once again, that is sw7x7.com slash email for a free trial. Welcome back. So at the end of the adaptation, or near the end of the adaptation, when Luke and Leia are finally reunited and they're talking about you know the fight that awaits them outside, Leia says, we can't win this fight. And in the comics, Luke says, no, but there are alternatives to fighting. And I have to give props to Gary Witta for being able to lift that line from Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original A New Hope and apply it in this particular way. And what a beautiful application it is. That's essentially what Obi-Wan did in A New Hope. He went to go release the tractor beam so that his companions could escape. I know I wanted to see something a little crazier out of Luke, a little more like... You know, way back when there were rumors about the Knights of Ren actually showing up on Octo and Luke fighting them off and using the Force to throw some of the Knights off of the edges of cliffs and whatnot and you know, be crazy bad mamma jamma. And yes, I admit, I wish I could have seen some of that. But I gotta say, I gained a deeper appreciation. I already thought the scene was amazing as it was, but I gained an even deeper appreciation for the scene based on Gary Wood's adaptation and the way he treated that reunion with Luke and Leia as well. So we're gonna talk about Luke, like I said, in more detail tomorrow and the things that we get to learn that are going on in his head as he progresses through the events of The Last Jedi. But for today, that's gonna do it. And just, you know, as usual, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.